This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 117. And welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. And this is Brett Hurst. And we're marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. That is quite an aspirational goal. Yes, it is. It's a big, big, hairy goal. Yep. Well, today we're going to be talking about navigating political differences. Yikes. Yikes. This is a conversation that we are having more and more with couples. That's true. I don't know if it's just the political climate we're in. You I don't think? know really what it is, but there's a lot of divisiveness, a lot of opportunity for toxic <laughs> conversations and disagreements. And so I just, I don't know. We've been, we've just been having the conversation so often lately. I felt like it warranted its own podcast episode. I say, why not? Well, and there's some things that we, I think, have learned in just learning how to navigate differences that I think are genuinely helpful for people. They've helped us. You know, Brett, you and I don't always see everything exactly the same way politically. Or other things. things. (laughs) (laughs) And so there's that, you know, there it lends itself to opportunities to really sort of escalate and Mm -hmm. have, you know, fights about it. Yeah. And we've kind of been working with couples and we've come up with some some good road rules that I think are helpful. And if you're listening to this episode and you and your spouse completely agree on everything politically, you know, then still listen, because I think today, just like so many categories of marriage, you can cut and paste these principles and put them on conflict or communication or just about anything else. And I think they'll be helpful. They apply in other dimensions. They absolutely do. So let's get to it. Here's the first bullet point. One, I think it's helpful to get your media from a variety of sources. I agree. I think when you can diversify your news outlets a little bit, I think that's helpful to get just, you know, a different perspective. You hear a lot these days about a lot of us kind of living in these echo chambers. You know, we watch maybe the same news program all the time or we read the same newspaper or we only have, you know, kind of our social media kind of tilted one way. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be a little bit dangerous because when we limit ourselves to other viewpoints and other perspectives and opinions, I mean, we can just we become a silo, you know, and we we don't grow, I think, as individuals. Yeah. And like you said, you're just parroting somebody else's opinion and not necessarily getting the broadest investigative perspective. Right. Exactly. I want to mention a news or a website that I came across called allsides.com, A-L-L-S-I-D-E-S.com. And it's a news website that purposefully will give you 
like three different perspectives on a news story. So they'll literally pull from left, the left, the middle and the right. And I think that's helpful. And I've actually um, looked at their website many times on a particular story and been amazed at how different just the headlines are mm. from the right or the left or even in the middle, you know, yeah. but that's just, you know, an example. You So, you know, something that I do, and I don't know that everyone wants to do this, but I try to watch a particular news program in the morning. And in the evening, I watch kind of from another perspective, a news program. You know, I read a couple of different newsletters from two different kinds of newspapers. At night, we watch local news just to make sure we're not don't have our head just in, you know, the national and the global stuff. But I think that's helpful. Because again, the more we can diversify our learning our understanding, the more I think we can bring nuanced conversation to so many issues and topics. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the next thing is kind of goes hand in hand with that. And that is to maybe if you're a political news junkie, limit your political media consumption a little bit. (laughs) Even if you're not a political news junkie. I know, because the 24 hour news cycle or the cable news, I mean, sociologically speaking, it, it hasn't been around that long. Maybe 30 years? Has it been kind 20, of no, 25 no. years, maybe? If that, I don't know when, like CNN or right. whatever came, but but the 24 hour news cycle was not a thing, like Brett, when you and I were growing up. When you and I were growing up, to watch the news, you had to watch it at like six o'clock at night, mm-hmm. you know, and you had to be in front of the TV when it was on. There was no, you know, VCR or recording it or anything. And you just had your kind of your one shot. Well, now with 24 hour news cycle, it's competitive in mm-hmm. a business sense. And so, so they're always having to use clickbait and sensational breaking news headlines. Have you noticed everything's breaking news? You right, know, right. and a lot of times you and I'll be watching the news and we'll kind of look at each other and go, is really? This really news? That, like, was, that was breaking news. <laughs> must have been a slow news day, you know. Yeah. So maybe to limit that, particularly if you have a tendency to kind of want to, you know, get into it with people, you might just kind of limit that a little bit. Then we talk a little bit about learning to differentiate between journalistic news and opinion pieces. And again, this is a conversation that has to be a little bit nuanced because some people will say, well, there's no such thing as journalism anymore. Journalism is dead. (laughs) I tend to, I don't know, I'm a little Pollyanna. I tend to think that there is real journalistic news out there. But the thing, again, this goes back to the cable news and the 24-hour news cycle is it's murky. The lines are blurred between what's really, you know, journalistic news versus someone who has a show where maybe they're talking about news, but it's really, they're just an opinion and they may be very intelligent people, Mm -hmm. but it's an opinion show. Right. And I think learning to differentiate from that sometimes and realizing, oh, we're watching someone's opinion. We're watching a show about an opinion versus just giving us the straight news. I think it is also helpful. Yeah. I'm personally of the opinion that there is a myth of neutrality (laughs) anyway that you can't help but bring your bias uh, to a news story. Yeah, but I do think there are a lot of really good journalists out there who still strive to just report the news. Really? (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) That's one area. A lot. You and I disagree. A lot of them. (laughs) 
Okay, so the next bullet point is this. If you feel like you have to criticize a, let's say, a leader that your partner supports. A leader? You mean like a political leader? A political leader, leader or okay. someone in that, you know. Yeah. Be, try to be critical of that person's policies mm-hmm. and not their character. Right. So this goes back to... Whether know, they have character or not. <laughs> this goes back to... Don't character assassinate people. Then that's just a general rule, I think. Right. But, you know, if you walk through the living room and your spouse is watching his or her news program that maybe you don't like and maybe his or her guy, you know, in government or girl in government is talking, you know, don't just be like, oh, they're such an idiot, you know, or oh man, what a joke, you know, at least have the decency to articulate your differences about their policies mm-hmm. or the words that they say say and not their character. Mm -hmm. Because I think what it does is it just shuts your spouse down from wanting to engage in intelligent conversation if all you're doing is just like, oh, what a joke. What an idiot, you know. Right. And that's even extra challenging to do now when so many political leaders master the art of character assassination. Right. Yeah. This is not modeled for us, frankly. So we shouldn't get sucked into that. Exactly. That's why, you know, like so many things, stuff has to start at home (laughs) and then infiltrate into the community. Yeah. Another thing is we talk about, and this is not just in politics, but I mean, in life, be willing to listen to another point of view. Mm -hmm. You know, you are not always right. What? I'm not saying it to Brett Hurst, (laughs) although I do say it to Brett Hurst from time to time. What? But you know, your point of view is not 100% right or accurate. This is true. And, you know, John Gottman, our marriage education hero, always says, you know that you're really listening to someone when you can say, huh, that's interesting. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. And not in a snarky way. Right. <laughs> you know, genuinely, that's tell me more about that. But when you're open to encouraging more dialogue. Yeah, exactly. And you know, something that we've learned how to say to people, particularly in a political conversation, because we have family members who we don't see eye to eye, you know, politically. Oh, we try yes. to we try to respectfully navigate those conversations. And one of the things I'll ask someone is, huh, how did you arrive at that mm-hmm. belief or how, how how did that viewpoint get framed? Yeah, exactly. How did you learn to, you know, believe that or, mm-hmm. or think? And that's helpful because it invites someone to tell their story or invites mm-hmm. someone to tell how they. And that's always a good thing to have a journey conversation with someone and not just fighting about the issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I think. We live in a world where, you know, and we've said this before on the podcast, where everything's about debate Mm -hmm. and little is about dialogue anymore. And dialogue is an art. Mm -hmm. Dialogue is a a space where we don't think in binary terms. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about politics that I'm learning, too, is that, you know, we may think everything is black, white, right, wrong, this side, that side, Mm -hmm. left, right. But most issues in politics are are complex. Virtually all of them. Yeah. They yeah. they are not arrived at, at with simple binary right. thing. And so to have a conversation around that that is binary mm-hmm. and that does make it sound like, well, it's either right or wrong. It's right. either this or that. Most of the time it's not. Right. And when we can model having a healthy like I realize I don't know everything. I'd like to learn your perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, I still may not agree with it, mm-hmm. but I bet we could probably find a little more common ground than you know, we even think we have. Yeah. And, you know, maybe jumping the gun saying this, maybe we're going to say this at the end of the episode, but how much more rich is a relationship when you bring different perspectives to the table? Oh, 
true. That is so true. Uh, what What is the old saying? If two of you are exactly alike, one of you is unnecessary. Exactly. You know, in a marriage, that that's what makes it rich and fun. But it can also make it challenging if you disagree about things that you feel to your core, you know. Right, right. And even if you are dead set in your point of view, whatever it is, by even just learning the, this art of dialogue uh-huh. with somebody that has a different opinion, particularly someone you love and care about. Yeah. That will help you even learn even more about your point of view. Exactly. Yeah, it'll learn. It'll help you be able to articulate it mm-hmm. in a more clear, you know, way for other people. And again, I think this is just one of those things that will follow you to so many different areas of your life if we can learn these skills. The next point is to use respectful language when disagreeing with your spouse's political views. Yeah, which you know, is kind of a universal marriage tip course. anyway. I mean, it's not helpful to go, oh, you're so, that's so dumb. You know, that's a stupid way Good to one. think, you know? <laughs> we just, we wouldn't do that with like our boss, you know, right. or our co- uh, work colleague. Not more than once, respectful. probably. And then another point, and I, th- I really love this idea, is to take an interest in local politics together. Mm -hmm. You know, it's often easier for people to find common ground in what's going on in your community, rather than focusing solely on national or global issues. Mm -hmm. Because that's easy to just kind of stay in your theory and head to talk about. But when you're talking about, you know, your local school board meeting or your city council meeting or something that's happening in your neighborhood, I bet the two of you agree a lot more than you realize. Yeah, I mean, and that's something talking about local potholes or something. Yeah, and that's something you can do together, Mm -hmm. you know, and then also to remember where your core loyalty lies. This is big. You know, your core loyalty does not lie with your political party. No, it lies with your spouse. And, you know, if you're a Christian, it lies with your Christian values, you know, biblical your relationship to God. Exactly. Right. And so we can get kind of spinning and in this crazy cycle of talking about politics and red versus blue and all of that. Mm-hmm. But if we're more, you know, and that, frankly, that's and I'll just say this, that's what has been so murky about the uh, kind of the American white evangelical, you know, situation recently mm-hmm. is that, you know, we've somehow forgotten that our loyalty is to you know, follow Christ. It's mm-hmm. not to follow whoever's in the White House or our political party or whatever. And so that's just kind of, you know, out there to, to think about. And then lastly, and this is something that I think is is really, really helpful and difficult, mm-hmm. <laughs> is to pray for our leaders yeah. and try doing this together, even as a couple, you mm-hmm. know, even if you really can't stand whoever's in office or whatever, mm-hmm. all the more reason the Bible specifically tells us as Christians to pray for our leaders. Mm-hmm. And we could have put that one first. Yeah, absolutely. You know, until you have done that on a regular basis, all these other points are exactly somewhat insignificant. Yeah, you could say that maybe is the most important, you know, thing because it really is hard to put down and character assassinate people that you're praying for. Mm-hmm. And even if you completely disagree with them, we still need to pray and ask God to give them wisdom and, you know, leadership and all of that. Most definitely. It's in everyone's best interest for us to do that. Yeah, exactly. So I think this is a good conversation. Yeah, it's good. Was there anything that I didn't remember to say? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think it gets back to just even basic marriage principles of going above and beyond to connect with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if being right about politics or any other topic is more important to you than connecting with your spouse, then it might be the case that things are out of balance. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Well, good. Well, we survived. <laughs> Made it. We survived the navigating political differences episode. Or maybe we can wait <laughs> another four years before we do that. <laughs> well, if you would like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. Also, we hope you'll follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I'd like to give a special thank you to Podcast Rocket for producing this episode. Well, thank you all so much for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all. 